0: Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Folger.
1: I'm Sasha Smolders. This is The Sandman, issue 36, A Game of You, Chapter 5.
0: So the cover continues the bisected look that we've got on the A Game of You mm-hmm. covers with the title at the top. And the bottom is pretty obvious. That would be uh, Eleanor heading into Morpheus' cloak. Yeah. As the land is uh, finally taken away.
1: Her heading in, and then also because there's multiples, maybe like all of the creatures heading in.
0: Well, they're all women in dresses. I think that's, I'm not entirely sure why it's multiples, but I think that's just to show the movement.
1: It could be both. I think the top image, though, is a photograph of traffic.
0: Yeah, I think we've got the real world up top right? Is that it? Mm-hmm. The real world up top and the dream world in the bottom? Mm-hmm. Which is really, we haven't mentioned this, but that's what these stories have been about in a game of you. We've seen the real world and the dream world all the time. I guess it could be that the covers of these looking back might be real world up top. The The top rate, yeah, well, the top and the last one had the taxicab rates. Uh, that does, I'm going back and I'm looking at the tops of these covers. It's a little hard to note because of what he's done with them, what Dave McKean has done with them, but they do seem to have real world on the top. And chapter two does have George on the bottom, which is real world, but he's kind of a dream thing.
1: Yeah. And the top is not only is it real world, that's obviously they're still photographs of mm-hmm. a city. Yes. Like of of areas of a city and they're not characters. They're not composites. They're still photographs of city, of the city. So it's setting, at least. If it's nothing, even if it's not like real world dream world, it's setting characters.
0: Yeah, yeah. The title of this issue, Over the Sea to Sky, is a song also known as the Skyboat Song. It's an old Jacobite rebellion song referring to the flight of Bonnie Prince Charlie to the Isle of Skye following his loss at Culloden. They actually dressed him up as a woman to sneak him there. And the original lyrics use lad because they're mentioning Bonnie, Prince, Charlie. But a lot of times these days, this song is actually sung by a woman and they change the gender of it to match, to say lass instead of lad. And when that happens, the uh, opening lyrics of at least one way this old song is sung is sing me a song of a lass has gone. Say, could that lass be I? Mary of soul, she sailed on a day over the sea to sky. So the whole, hey, could that lass be I? is interesting
1: i've sung this song in a competition before oh you
0: have i have yeah it's actually the theme song to the tv show outlander Mm -hmm. sing me a song of a lass that is gone
1: say could that lass be i
0: Mary of soul, she sailed on a day over the sea to sky. Yeah, I
1: sang it with a choir. Oh, nice. When I was a teenager
0: it's a pretty famous song apparently i'd never heard of it but when i started looking it up it was all over the place yeah i think we used the, up at a lot of
1: i think we used the male lyrics mm-hmm. um yeah
0: sure sure i've found both but uh the most of the performances i found recently have been women doing it and they all changed the na- the the gender to last
1: mm. yeah. in outlander the series mm-hmm. i haven't watched the series but i've read the books they're based on
0: okay i haven't seen either i've heard good things
1: yeah the plot basically is that a girl this isn't a spoiler this is the main plot of the story is a woman who is a a nurse in um the second world war is in scotland and steps through a, a fairy ring portal like uh, old stones oh, okay. and gets transported back to scotland in the whenever the jacobean war was right which i forget exactly when that is um but she gets it's it's a historical fiction that includes like a little bit of fantasy Mm. sci-fi and so she's transported back in time and has to live in scotland during that time as a woman and like it's all about her figuring out what the hell she's gonna do and how she survives Mm. it's a decent series and that's
0: on stars i believe which is also where the new american gods tv series will Mm. be showing
1: yeah i haven't heard much about the tv show but the books like i read them a lot when i was i reread them many times as a teenager i really enjoyed them
0: I've heard generally good things about it,
1: that it's a, a,
0: a good show to watch. That,
1: bit of a bodice know. ripper. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. If it's anything like the books, then yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Lots of, you know,
0: strapping Scotsmen. <laughs> I'd, I'd give it a chance. We're going to be probably grabbing stars soon because of American Gods. Oh, yeah. We were actually talking about this earlier. Let's let's see if anybody's interested. We were thinking about doing an American Gods podcast as it gets released. It probably be a little less produced than this one if we were to do it. Because mm. we'd want to watch the show and then get the podcast out right away. Oh, yeah. But I can only... I only got so much time mm-hmm. unless we get support. Mm-hmm. So head on over to patreon.com slash dreaming and support this podcast and maybe we'll make more podcasts. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Well, let's get inside and take a look.
1: It's Barbie in the land, except it's not. She's in her childhood home. Yeah. I was pretty close in my guess, in a way... Well, I was I was close in in an ironic way. <laughs> oh yeah, what was your guess? My guess was that it was her sister or that like she had an abusive childhood or whatever right. and <laughs> yes. all that. And so I remember
0: your chuckle at that bit that's coming up where she's like, "No."
1: Yeah, I thought I was like, "Oh my gosh." So, I
0: believe yeah. if you listen to the podcast of you expecting that, I probably went hey, hey. <laughs> cuz I knew. Yeah. No. So the third prize, 1967 bass fishing tournament uh, trophy, is there that her father was so proud of.
1: You know, I don't think I've ever seen a properly mounted bass. It's always time I see it. It's the one where it's the singing bass. He presses a button and his face turns bass, out yeah. and he sings to you.
0: Well, we don't really live in the south, and there aren't many bass fishermen up here. Up here, I don't think there are many bass.
1: I just figured if you catch a fish, you eat it. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. That's what you do up here. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Where there's not many trophy fishermen up in canada we fish and we eat them
1: like i guess if you caught a really really big fish Mm -hmm. is it just like the fish is so big it's not worth eating so you might as well make it into a plaque i think it's just
0: that the fishing is a sport rather than getting food Uh that that they it's a thing where you try to keep track of the biggest one you got the really Hmm. big stories you got of of that big one you caught Hmm. so that you can also talk about the one that got away I don't know. I'm not much of a fisherman. I had a, I had a grandfather who was very big into fishing. and would take me out fishing all the
1: time. And I, as a kid, was like, okay.
0: Mm.
1: And it was okay, but I didn't fall in love with it. My grandfather's into fly fishing, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have any fish on his walls except for the singing bass we bought him as a joke when that's I was right. a kid. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I cannot imagine somebody well, okay, I can't imagine. I think it would be very rare for somebody to buy themselves the singing bass. That's the thing about that thing.
1: Like I've known hunters who kept like caribou and deer head on their walls. Right? But that's because you eat the rest of it. Yes. Like that makes sense. But yes. I think in order to do this to a fish, you can't eat the fish. Right.
0: I th- I think at all. I I'm not an expert, but I think that's true. Okay. We Fisherman. might get a ta- we might get a taxidermist who says, "Oh no, I can totally skin a fish and eat the good parts and stuff the rest of it." I I don't know, maybe. Yeah.
1: Fish people and hunters, email us and correct us on that. Oh, this is
0: vital information from this panel 2 of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like panel 2 never mentioned again. <laughs> Quickly tell us. We need to know. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh. <laughs> we find out about the brightly shining sea it's actually the Atlantic Ocean early in the morning after the sun's burned the clouds away. I actually tracked down my Sandman Companion book, mm-hmm. which I hadn't found. I full disclosure didn't have during Season of Mess. Oops. Ooh. And it does have an have some back and forth interview with Neil. And Neil mentions that this was when he was staying in a hotel, I believe in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The book's over there. I didn't write it down. <laughs> uh and he says maybe I should have. He saw basically in the early morning the silver glinting of the sun off the water, and that's mm-hmm. where he got the brightly shining sea from. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated by these brightly shining couches, <laughs> which are just horrible.
0: Welcome to the 1970s. <laughs> that's what it is. Like she grew up in the 70s. If this is uh, this is 1990, and she's what 20 something, mm-hmm. this is 91 or so. So yeah, yeah. Mm. she uh, she's a child of the 70s this is what her house would have looked like that stuff that the Mad Men tv show which now that i say it i know you haven't watched but where it was heading to at the end of the series is exactly this style oh boy yeah yeah i lived through it for a bit my parents couldn't afford all of this kind of futuristic stuff but i certainly saw it on tv all the time and certainly Mm. had friends parents who had this kind of stuff in their house
1: Well, as she's uh, gazing out on the ocean and thinking about how um, when she would go to it as a child, it was shining. She tried to catch it in her hands, but then it would just turn into salt water in her hands. She's interrupted by someone. Mm -hmm. The cuckoo. And the cuckoo lets her know that in this place, when you pick it up, it stays as liquid diamonds. Mm -hmm. And it tastes kind of like grape juice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, despite Despite being a little kid the body of the little kid, very much the the physicality of this is kind of adult and casual and confident, mm-hmm. right? That's a confident stance that a little girl generally doesn't have unless they're putting on an air, right? But mm-hmm. that, but that's so casual. And then later when she's talking to her, she's leaning against the, the bed like that. It's just confident, casual, relaxed.
1: Hmm. I think it's weird. I have like a hundred pictures of me in that position standing like that when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But well, maybe that was just for pictures. I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Like for a picture you could, but like when you're standing there talking to an adult like that, that is a confident power pose right there. Maybe. So what do we want to say about the cuckoo here? The cuckoo is kind of Barbara, but like it's not, it's not the same as what you would say.
1: No, said. it's a, some kind of parasitic entity mm-hmm. and it only looks like Barbara and yeah. Barbara as a kid. Mm-hmm. It has her memories. It remembers Barbara's childhood. Yeah. Um, but it didn't grow up, obviously. Yeah. Because in this dream world, nothing grew up. This is still the dream world that Barbie created. Yeah. Over on the title age.
0: page, the cuckoo actually says, like I said, I'm almost you. Mm-hmm. So we never really get a great answer as to what the cuckoo is. Is the cuckoo a dream that has become this entity that wants to... Leave the Dream is the cuckoo something else that showed up to a dream and got like laid here like a cuckoo egg? Was there another cuckoo who laid this whatever it is in this Barbie dream world? Was that thing a dream? Was it a something other than a dream?
1: So my uh, what I, my understanding of it is that someone else and I think we'll probably find out in the next issue initially created this scary mm-hmm. this island alongside Uh, Morpheus, but uh, and either when it was made or sometime after the cuckoo arrived. But it's Barbie who brought the cuckoo, who gave the cuckoo a body. Mm. It's Barbie who, like, yeah, so the cuckoo already existed before Barbie. Okay. But it took on Barbie. Mm. As a like, it mirrored Barbie, and that's what gave it a form and the ability to do things within. Right. I think it's definitely tied land. to her. Yeah, it's right? tied to I her. I mean,
0: it, we know that it. It basically says that
1: that until yeah. the land or she is gone, like I'm part of you, sort of. You created me, kind mm-hmm. of. So she didn't. She cre. She created what we see of her. Yeah, but she didn't create her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get the revelation.
0: Is this where I've found out I was abused as a child and have been blocking it all these years? Is that what you are? (laughs) You weren't abused as a child, Barbara. Your childhood was dull, quiet, and boring. You had two dull parents in a dull house. And an overactive imagination. That worried your parents. You'd make up stories, seek out books of witches and ghosts. Things that just weren't true. They couldn't understand where this fascination of yours for the fantastic came from, and it scared them. So you began to defend yourself. We get a declaration that boys and girls are different. And, I mean, I think modern day this kind of sets off a erg, no, we're not. <laughs> but it's kind of true because girls are told that this is the kind of stories that they should be fantasizing about. They're the stories they're presented. They're the sort of stories they're given. Mm-hmm. And boys are given fantasies in which they're faster, smarter, able, or able to fly. And I was even thinking about this. It's also a product of what we're set up to be, our roles in society, where as boys, we're told that we're going to be active participants in our lives and we get to do whatever we want. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so the fantasy for that is to be able to do even more than we want, like fly and be super strong. Mm -hmm. Women are told, no, no, you wait around until somebody brings you to a much better world and Mm -hmm. you're taken care of. And so your fantasy for that is... A princess fantasy. It yeah, it starts yeah. from there and goes from there.
1: Your yeah. parents aren't your real parents. You have right. other parents that are blah, blah, blah all that.
0: And another
1: thing that I'd never thought of before until this
0: like final read through just before we recorded this, that kind of came crashing down to me. This isn't a declaration by Neil of saying boys and girls are different because what would the point of that be in this story where it's predominantly a girl's story about princesses and there's mm-hmm. no superheroes? Why mention boys? because this is a story about princesses. It's also kind of a story about growing up out of those stories that you're pushed into and become your little fantasy world to go out and explore other worlds. Mm-hmm. So, so that feels to me like Neil is saying, this lesson for this woman in a princess story is also for you men who love superhero stories. Mm. That's what this bit is. This bit is going, I'm showing you the metaphor. For you, this works for men too. Mm-hmm. The lessons you're going to learn about this fantasy world and moving on, yeah, it it works for men too. And your superhero comics that you're so fond of, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, also though, it, it lets you then kind of compare Wanda's story. Yeah, Wanda has a superhero fantasy in mm. the Weirdzos, right? Right. But she's not a superhero in her fantasy. She is secretly one of them and they bring her in. So she has the princess, you have different parents fantasies, but it's, it came from that socialized boy thing, right? So it's Mm -hmm. showing, it's showing kind of like ahead the socialized versus the, well, I mean, it's inherent in anyone Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of challenging that. And like, no, Wanda has princess fantasies, Mm -hmm. but they're coming through this realm because her family pressured her to do boy things and to like boy stuff. So that's what she had. And that's where she got to. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She has the fantasies that involve both Mm -hmm. and they're crashing together
0: horribly. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. The problem is the game of you for Wanda.
1: Mm hmm. Now they changed the names of another uh, yeah. major character in comics. This here. one
0: makes sense because it's a Marvel character.
1: Yeah, Perry Porter.
0: <laughs> yeah, Perry Porter, the secret who is secretly the amazing spider. And Clint Clark is Hyperman. We've Clint Clark. Yeah. What has this got to do with Shush? <laughs> and then talks about princesses.
1: And it works. If you notice that first Shush, like mm-hmm. she's already got control of Barbie. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. pretty early on, she can shut her down, like, in a second.
0: Yeah, well, we see later how little it actually takes. It's it's really spelled out how little it takes to do that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you see it. And so it almost doesn't matter what she's talking about. I just need to talk to you about stuff. Boys like superheroes. Girls like princesses. Isn't my voice hypnotic? Keep listening to me. Shush, I'm still talking. Mm-hmm. Right? It, so what she says is not important except for Neil to go, "Hey boys, this is about you too." Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it.
1: Absolutely. Also, um another thing I'll point out is like when she talks about boys having these power fantasies mm. in other times, the uh, the other time where Barbie's dreams have intersected with the dreams of a straight cis man. Yeah. Was totally. Ken yeah. and Ken was having just nonstop power fantasies, like yeah. really overwhelming power fantasies. Yes, yes, yeah, and it really weirded her out. Like that—that's yeah. part of what upset her and kept her from even being able to get back into the yeah. land for a while.
0: Yeah. So all of that together, this is, again, a game of views about identity. And this mm-hmm. one specifically is talking about gender identity and mm-hmm. what that means, what that means about your fantasies. It doesn't specifically like we're talking about, say, it's coming from society telling you to do that. I mean, I think that's almost a modern realization, to be honest. Because, <laughs> again, remember, this is 25 years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, also, though, like... A a more modern understanding of gender theory, regardless, is that it's a mix, right? Is that there are inherent things to you as your own personality Mm -hmm. that are in ways related to could be related to how you will identify in your gender. And there are things about you that are socialized. Mm -hmm. And like and and those are those are both just dice rolls on both of those, whether or not it will have a full effect on you or what the effect will be on you. And so it's just it's it's. You know, wibbly wobbly gender stuff.
0: Yeah. And we get a scene. This one kind of reminds me of the final scene in Labyrinth, mm. where in Labyrinth she meets all her toys.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. They're all very ratty. They've been well played with. When did it come out?
0: Oh, Labyrinth had come out like five years before this as well. Yeah. So.
1: Something else I sort of noticed is the bedspread. Mm hmm. Um, there's a course? pattern of bricks. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it reminded me a little of Yellow Brick Road and oh, yeah. yeah, just the the different quilt uh, patches. Um, All kind of reminiscent of parts of the journey. Yeah, yeah, could be. Mm-hmm.
0: And driving home that she had a nice loving uh, childhood, There's just hearts all over the wall.
1: Mm-hmm. Although it was loving, but her parents for some reason were... Not okay with her fantasies, yeah,
0: they were dull and didn't they couldn't understand fantasies. They were scared of them,
1: which is like they're normal like she reads Tolkien and stuff. Yeah. like it's not a harmful fantasy, yeah, uh, speaking of that, we do get a a shot mm-hmm. um of the books that she has, yep.
0: Yeah. We have The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And then the Magician's Nephew by C.S. Lewis, and something called Narnia. There actually is no book called Narnia. There mm. is one called The Chronicles of Narnia, which I think collects a couple together. Mm-hmm. So it's a little hard to tell. Next to that is J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, and then next to that is Witches, which is a rolled doll novel that had been later made into a Jim Henson movie.
1: Mm. Uh, the Magician's Nephew is the first book in The Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. Yeah, it's the very first one where, incidentally, they create the land of uh, of Narnia. It's, right. it's, it's basically Genesis, that story, oh, yeah. where these kids travel using these rings. They go through these like portal dimensions and they end up in this blank land and mm-hmm. they create it by dropping like, and, and part of the things is like where they drop things from their pockets creates mm-hmm. well-known things in Narnia. Yeah. So I think one of them was like a ring... Or a piece of, uh, of a coin or something was dropped. And that's what became the lamppost because the land was new and it was still growing. Okay. And the things that they dropped created things in this world. Oh. Yeah. And it's, it's the genesis of Narnia, which is why afterwards you can go directly to Narnia because one of the rings that takes you through to Narnia, um, mm-hmm. that takes you through the portals, was buried underneath a tree at the end of that story. And eventually that tree was cut down and turned into the wardrobe which is then the next book is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, so where they go directly to Narnia. Okay. Yeah, it's the first book, but it might not have been written first, now that I think of it. I don't think it was, yeah. Yeah, but it explains explains how Narnia existed.
0: Yeah. The Cuckoo describes yourself as your imaginary fiend.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I first read it as friend. I didn't notice the word fiend until my second read-through.
0: The Salmon Annotations asks if that's intentional or a typo, but it's lasted through a whole bunch of reprintings, so. It's too perfect. Yeah.
1: Like her body language, she's sitting there, she's smiling with her legs crossed on the countertop. Again, super
0: confident poses, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing but confident power poses. Look how relaxed and in control of the situation I am. That is what those
1: poses are. You left yourself wide open for me, really? I mean, really? It's a little like possession, only I didn't bother with your body.
0: I moved into your dream world, into those parts of your life you weren't using. You were everything I needed. I'm your imaginary fiend. So, Barbie, now that I've explained it to you, it all makes perfect sense, doesn't it? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Basically asks if you like me and I have a right to live. And Barbie has been, well, let's say brainwashed by now. And again, super confident stride out to the evil dark troops outside. (sighs) Like that. Look at that stride. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. It was easy. I want her taken down to the Isle of Thorns. We start at Moonrise commander of this army yeah this little girl and then we're back in new york and we're listening to the radio station that was they might be giants with the nightgown of the sullen moon we have that song right here fell on the door and you fell on the floor with your hand on the knob looking up in a drop you forget what you're thinking fire alarm Might Be Giants is an alternative rock duo made up of John Linnell and John Klinsberg. They take their name from a 1970s George C. Scott film in which Scott's character becomes convinced that he is Sherlock Holmes. Okay. And the title of that film is from Cervantes' Don Quixote, who when asked about his delusions, Scott's character cites Quixote's statement, I don't fight William Mills because they are giants. I fight them because they might be giants. Mm. So the band that's being mentioned here their name is from a movie that's also about identity mm-hmm. just like this storyline
1: and then Which this song that. is also about dancing you're wearing a nightgown with the sun and the moon on it that's right yeah and
0: we got another wonder buds commercial hey bill yeah jerry y-
1: you got any q-tips on you
0: nope jerry no q-tips
1: oh heck but what's that isn't that a pack of q-tips
0: nah what i got's better than q-tips it's wonder buds from the makers of Wonderwool.
1: wool wow bill
0: Yes, Jerry, Wanda Buds are sterile, all-American, and for a limited time, only 99 cents a pack. New Wanda buds in fresh mint, cinnamon, and new salsa flavors.
1: I'll never use unflavored Q-tips again, Bill.
0: Not Q-tips, Jerry. Wonderbuds. And we see a rat. Could be a Wilkinson
1: reference, but it could
0: also just be a New York reference.
1: Yeah, it's outside of a storefront called Norris. Yeah. Um, and the wind is just ravaging it. Mm-hmm. And there's garbage everywhere. The late night radio person's name is Barbara Wong.
0: On W-R-A-T. So another rat on this page.
1: Yeah. And so she's got a talk radio, like a late night talk radio show. Mm -hmm. And she gets her first call uh, at 3.47 a.m.
0: Yep. From Jim Morrison.
1: Yeah, but not not the famous one. Not the famous one. Hey, wouldn't that be a coup for my show if you were? (laughs) Meanwhile... uh, Jim is, is calling about the wacky weather they're experiencing mm-hmm. and how he thinks that the hurricane is heading back. Is, yeah, it has turned around and it's coming back their way.
0: Mm-hmm. And she's like, meteorologists would tell us that
1: if that was mm-hmm. happening. That's a weather forecaster is for all our listeners from New Jersey. I
0: know. What's with the dig against Jersey?
1: I don't know. It might be like how in Vancouver people make digs about Surrey all the time.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess so. People well, are
1: jerks. Well, stop it. Classes jerks.
0: Yeah. Stop putting people into boxes like that.
1: And the moon
0: road. Identity blurs on the moon road. I am Hazel McNamara. I am Thessaly. I am Donna Kavanaugh.
1: I'm just going to point out Uh. in the first image of the three women walking. Yeah. Thessaly has bunny slippers. (laughs) Yes. But afterwards, she no longer has bunny slippers. Right. She's got feet. And then later on, she has bunny slippers again.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there are a few mistakes in here because they seem to be doing exactly the same thing and walking in step in every single panel. Mm-hmm. But in that first one with the bunny slippers that you noticed, Hazel has her left leg forward and everybody else has their right leg forward. Mm-hmm. So it's Hazel is out of step. Mm-hmm. But later on, everybody's back in step with each other and doing exactly the same thing. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But like they have the same pose in panel two, they're both, look, they're all three are looking up. In panel three, they're in perfect step. In panel four, they all put their hand to their mouths. They're basically becoming the same person. Their identity, I mean, that's what it says right at the beginning, identity blurs in the moon's road. So they're acting as one or three people who are one. The three in one, Mother, Maiden, and Crone.
1: In the pale light of the moon, I play the game of you. Whoever I am, whoever you are. All sense of where I am, of who I am and where I'm going, has been swallowed by the dark. And I walk through the stars and sky. A trinity of dreams beneath the moon.
0: And then they arrive in the dreaming. In the land.
1: We're in a dream. A very old dream, I'd say. It's very solid.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thessaly seems to know this right away. Mm-hmm. Like, not just we're in a dream, which is obvious because that's where they're headed. Mm-hmm. But can tell it's old and and that it's very solid. Meaning she might have been to the dreaming before.
1: And as there in the as there in in the dream here, the sun is setting mm-hmm. behind the sea.
0: There's a low cloud cover. I think I'm, I was a little confused here, about why there's the the blank space between the sun and the actual sea mm-hmm. in that panel three there. Uh, in a later panel, you can see there's actually clouds right along the horizon that blocks the full amount of the sun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's what's going on there. But it definitely is going down, yeah. Mm-hmm. As the land is apparently dying.
1: Well, the sun is setting. And-
0: the sun is setting because the scary is about to go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How do you know this stuff, Thessaly?
0: I'm older than I look, Foxglove. You pick stuff up as you go along. You know.
1: Yeah? How old are you?
0: I'm really pretty old. Let's leave it there, huh?
1: <laughs> so they uh, they ask if they're going to go look for Barbie. And uh, Thessaly actually says, the cuckoo. We find the cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Barbie didn't try to hurt me. The cuckoo did. I'm here to find the cuckoo. She right. says cuckoo a lot. Yeah. Well,
0: cuckoo. she's pretty single-minded in her vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. But she does also know how dreams work. She's like, no, we'll, we'll see Barbie. This is how these things work. We'll go to get the cuckoo and we'll meet up with Barbie. Trust me. And on the next page, she even says, this is a dream world, Foxglove. It has its own laws, its own logic. It needs to bring us together. So she kind of knows the meta rules of dreams. She kind of knows how things work here, which means lots of experience for things that very few humans would know, I think. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they find Wilkinson.
1: Poor Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. All chopped up. This time Thessaly uh, does another spell to speak to him, but she doesn't cut his face off. No, nope. Which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah,
0: because we like him.
1: She makes a circle of stones and she cuts her finger into mm-hmm. a pool of blood and speaks to him through the pool of blood. She can see his reflection. hmm H- Hello?
0: I'm dead. Bugger off.
1: What was your name?
0: I don't need to tell you that. I don't need to tell you anything. I'm dead. Just leave me alone. Your name? Wilkinson.
1: Where's the cuckoo, Wilkinson?
0: She's down there. That's where her palace is, in the city.
1: Um, excuse me, Mr. Wilkinson, do you know where Barbie is?
0: Barbie? I failed her. I failed her. I did everything I could. Where is she? The cuckoo took her. Tell her, tell her Wilkinson said sorry. Now leave me be.
1: Yes, you can go.
0: Oh, Wilkinson.
1: Oh, Wilkinson.
0: (laughs) yeah. What a sweet little guy. Lots nicer than George.
1: <laughs> that is not a high bar to pass. No, I know. To pass.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and the scene between Foxglove and Hazel Yeah, is so good. Uh, is so good.
1: So Foxglove is just real mad. And she's like, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to tell you names you didn't even know I knew. Yeah, I'm sorry. And then it says, Do you know how much a baby's going to cost us? So she's not leaving her. They're going to raise a baby together. For a
0: start, we have to buy one of those dumb books full of names.
1: Nowadays, you just look them up on the internet.
0: I know. 25 years. What a change.
1: Actually, I think these days, mostly you're just making up names. Like Trash Can, if I have a baby, which I won't. I don't plan to have babies, listeners. Mm, okay. But if I do, naming it Trash Can.
0: Okay. Why?
1: Because I love Oscar the Grouch. Yep. Yeah. And nobody else has a baby named Trash Can. It's a
0: good thing. No babies. <laughs> Fox, I do love you. Damn straight you do, jerk. <laughs> I I think a lot about, hey, when do you learn this stuff? And I think one of the things that, that we don't get a lot of stories about in our, in our culture is how to deal with being mad at somebody you love properly. We yeah. see all sorts of stories about how to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. Foxglove has every right to be upset. Yeah. But that's no reason to do things that people normally do when they're upset. And she doesn't. She expresses it. She lets it out. She doesn't hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. And then she lets them know for damn sure that she's still with them and she still loves them.
1: Yeah. Like she makes it clear like that she's going to be mad and she's going to be mad for a while. And there's going to be, you know... She's gonna throw some things and, and express that anger, but yeah. but that, that's still there. I think um I think that it's sometimes easier to tell infidelity stories through queer relationships in uh in media mm. at times because I think that at least in like in the in heteronormative culture, the idea of cheating is a It's a relationship ending event to a lot of people. At least you're told that, right? Right, Like like if you love someone, you would never cheat on them, Mm -hmm. which we just know because of people. That's just not true. (laughs) Yeah, that's just not true. And so while you get to choose if that's a relationship ending event, Mm -hmm. it's Like, sometimes it isn't, and it's more often not in in queer relationships, I find, when they tell these stories. More often than not, if they are going to have some kind of infidelity plotline happen, Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually tank the relationship. Yeah. Um, Usually they just find a way to work through it.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine a male character acting this way towards his female partner if this were to happen.
1: Mm -hmm. It happens in the real world. It totally does. And- and like plenty of of relationships get over that and they're fine and that happens, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, specifically. But I mean,
0: the very instant, like when you yell to go, I'm super mad at you, but, Jim, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to cost us. It, I, would, it does happen, actually.
1: I actually do know one uh, lesbian couple in the real world who uh, aren't super good friends of mine. Uh, they probably don't listen to this, but they they have a baby from a similar circumstance. Like oh, they were wow. together monogamously, mm. and then. Oops. you know something yeah. happened and uh and they raised a baby and they're together they ended up having a second baby like they went and decided to, oh, wow. to get pregnant a second time and 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 they're still together and uh cool yeah stuff happens
0: yeah uh well you gotta deal with your, what are you gonna do like demand absolute perfection out of your life people are you human and they're flawed you can't get it yeah life lessons from the dreaming hi mm-hmm. everybody and we're back with wanda and barbie's body and george's face
1: <sighs> What a great trio! I know, right? <laughs> Compared to the the witches trio, we've got
0: these folks in panel two on this page. The look on Wanda's face <laughs> is is priceless. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Instead, I've got a severed face and Sleeping Beauty for company. And mm. Sleeping Beauty, yet another fantasy story reference.
1: I just want to like meme that face of hers. I know, right? Like, I feel like I get that so many times. Yeah. I, you know you could just take the panel of like all of her faces on this page and I just cycle through these throughout the day, right? Ooh, what's that I'm looking at? Uh, Me. like Me. and then oh God, what am I seeing? Cut. Oh no, I read the news again. And then cut to George's face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's representational of my Facebook feed these days. <laughs> There's a crash from outside.
0: Somebody's hurt in the wind, and Wanda puts on her coat. And heads outside. Nothing else, though.
1: Just a coat. Well, you Just got
0: a... Well, no, no shoes.
1: It's an emergency. I get
0: you. That's what I'm saying. It's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I like this, too, in that... So, over the course of the story, we've seen... Mm-hmm. At first, we talked about how Wanda was the one on the train who said, don't give that woman any money. Yeah. Because... Well, she even repeats the line here. Yeah. Well, because she didn't... Uh... I guess she didn't see her as being in real danger at that point. That's just a person asking for money from you. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to seeing someone in danger, Wanda just goes for it. She has no she does not hesitate. Oh yeah. She's a hero. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: I'm glad that she gets these scenes and she's sh- like
0: this. Yeah, it's yeah, we'll talk about that a little in the next uh issue as well. Okay. But she repeats her line that she said because she called, she said, This is a city of crazies to mm-hmm. Barbie because this woman didn't like dogs. Mm-hmm. She had her big freak out about dogs mm-hmm. and she discounted her. Now she's saving her. And while she's saving her, she's telling her, This is a city of crazies mm-hmm. to the person that she had declared earlier was a crazy.
1: I think also she's not quite sure this woman is homeless until she's there for free. Oh, minutes. no, not at all. No. Yeah. I don't she think... realizes, Oh, it's not just that you got hit by garbage. Like you smell bad for... because you. Or sleeping outside.
0: Yeah, but by then it doesn't matter because now you're interacting with a real human being who's talking to you. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Back to Barbie. And we're on the Isle of Thorns.
1: We get both shots of her. We get her sleeping in the real world where she... Her face is kind of turned down. Mm-hmm. Um, she almost looks corpse-like. Her hands are crossed across her lap. Yeah. And then when we see her in the dream world, her her hair is back. Her angle, she's shot right. from below, and and her lips look all pouty and colored. And yeah, like yeah. it's definitely it's fantasy definitely a fantasy world. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the cuckoo is excited about what's going to happen. It's time for me to fly the nest. Everyone has to grow up sometime. I'll miss this land. I really will. It's a nice place. We'll miss you too, lady. Will you lose? That's sweet. Especially since you've spent the last half dozen years plotting my downfall.
1: I was misguided, lady. Of
0: course you were. And it just took a little talk to show you the error of your ways.
1: So with that line, we get to know that Mm. Luz wasn't always plotting. Like Luz isn't an evil character.
0: Even when Luz headed off, stay here, I'll go get help. Pretty sure that was Lou's really going to get help.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of that.
0: And then the cuckoo. Oh, come on. Oh, yes. All right, I'll bring you back to them.
1: Oh, okay. That makes me feel way better because I was worried that she'd at least been bad through the whole run of the story, if not before that.
0: I think she would have when they were hiding from like under that snowbank. She just would have stepped out and said, "They're here." Mm. So I I think it was a pretty last minute switch. Yeah. You can't really tell, but uh, but yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, then, no, but I think that I, I accept that. That's okay. my new headcanon. Yeah. I accept that. Sure.
0: The cuckoo gives that line about the cuckoo that we saw earlier. Mm-hmm. Indeed, a bird will brood the foster chick whilst her own infants lie slowly dying outside the nest. I had mentioned I found my Sandman companion. I've actually confirmed that that is from a 1920s UK birdwatching manual, including the creepy... Lines about the hypnotic voice.
1: <gasps> wow. Yeah. What a good find. And
0: Neil has loaned that out to other writers who have used it for references to other birds when they did their comics and it's stuff.
1: Just whoever wrote that. I mean, bird watchers are unique people. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you're if you're going to do a bird watching book, why not put a little poetic license into the horrible things that cuckoos do by, you know, putting their own chicks into a nest and those chicks toss the other ones out and take all the food. Yeah. Like why not write about that properly and descriptively and poetically? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe the people who become bird watchers are kind of symbolically the type that get tossed from the nest and that's why oh. they write about it in that way.
0: Oh, I don't I think bird watchers come from all different walks of life. Okay.
1: I just think, you know, they're generally the quiet type, they keep to themselves, they hang out all day watching for birds. Sure. I'm just generalizing bird watchers, no big deal.
0: I'm sorry, bird watchers. And we finally get to see the hierogram.
1: Yeah, it's like a big
0: monolith. It's a monolith. What's it's, it say on it? Uh, it has. That's actually Japanese katakana, which is one of the Japanese alphabets, mm-hmm. and it's basically the word "dreaming" hmm. in Japanese katakana. Now, it's not the Japanese word for dreaming; it's katakana that spells out "dreaming."
1: Okay, like the. The English, the, the English English word
0: dreaming, but sounded out and spelled in katakana. The cuckoo mentions that the Hieromancer was probably based on Barbie's grandfather when she populated the land.
1: And Barbie did say in, I think, the last issue that he reminded her. He reminded her of
0: his grandfather, yeah. Mm-hmm. So i was pretty sure that that happened, yeah.
1: It's older than Barbie, much older. It's as old as the land. Mm-hmm. And she looks out across the sea and thinks there must be hundreds of these lands thousands of them, an archipelago of dream islands, a glittering shoal of worlds.
0: Think of all the different creative fantasy worlds there could be, and Barbie's been in this one, mm-hmm. and the cuckoo's been stuck in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a big, while while a game of you is definitely about identity, this is also about, I think, like moving on and like experiencing new stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something I think the comic book readers of the time needed. Uh, Neil has mentioned that the arcs in The Sandman tend to go from male to female. He does a male arc, which is kind of superheroy and about, about Morpheus, mm-hmm. which would be the, the Preludes and Nocturnes. And then The Doll's House, which is a very feminine story. It's about Rose Walker. Uh, Morpheus is a little bit in the background, mm-hmm. right? And then we have Season of Mists which is very much about Lucifer and Morpheus, and it's about him, Mm -hmm. right? And now we've got this, which is, again, very feminine. Mm -hmm. But he's, to me, this is Neil going, guys, no, you, you should read these stories too.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why a bunch of guys couldn't sit down and read a story about girls. There's so much good stuff in this.
0: Well, but we do. That's what the Sandman was doing, right? Yeah. We get a little bit more timeline here. Little Barbie found the land she needed, and the land found someone to believe in it, and then I had to come along and spoil everything. So the cuckoo wasn't here before Barbie.
1: Mm. It
0: wasn't something that, that Barbie showed up to the land and the cuckoo was waiting and then became whatever it is. That Barbie was here in this land that had been here before and had populated it, and then the cuckoo showed up, got, I guess, laid in this? Mm. We don't get the story of how the cuckoo showed up. No. Where it came from. That's not what the story's about, I guess. This is kind of the tail end of a big story, really.
1: Yeah. Well, let's
0: let's keep going, because that's what's going to happen, yeah.
1: And she says, well, now it's just you and me, little bird Luz. Murphy, be praised, lady. I only live to serve you. Yes, you do, and not for much longer. My lady, we have guests. And you can see the three figures walking mm-hmm. down the, uh, what would you call that, causeway?
0: That's a causeway, yes. Yep, Thessaly, Hazel, and Foxglove. The cuckoo comes running out, pretending to be just an innocent little girl. It says the cuckoo's over there. It said it wanted to kill us. Please help me save the princess.
1: Yeah, and says that Laz is, is the cuckoo. That, yeah. uh, and it's easily believable because Laz is a bird.
0: Laz is a bird, exactly. And standing over Barbie. Mm-hmm. So you're the cuckoo then? Yes. Crack. She just picks it up and breaks its neck.
1: Thessaly, why did you do that? Just kill her like that.
0: She needed to be taught a lesson.
1: But you just killed her.
0: Yes, that was the lesson. You don't get a second chance. Anyway, if she was the kind of thing I think she was, you don't want them to talk to you or let them talk to you. Really? (laughs) Just a few seconds is all they need. You're very clever. You really are. You're
1: a very clever lady. But that's all the killing you're going to do, isn't it? So from that, just takes a few seconds of her talking to to take over Thessaly. Yeah,
0: yeah, her one bluff worked and got her enough time, and now they're all in her thrall.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like a will save for that. <laughs> like obviously the Sandman can dream, dream can cannot be taken, taken over by it, but you'd have to let, have like an extremely high will.
0: And we're back to New York with Wanda, and Maisie.
1: Yeah. Um, so Maisie calls the face on the wall hoodoo stuff. Yeah. Um, but she's a Christian. And she says that she won't talk to dead people because it's bad luck.
0: It's bad luck to talk to dead people. Mm-hmm. And Wanda recognizes her. Jesus, you're the I don't like dogs lady. <laughs> my name's Maisie Hill. Maisie to my friends. Yeah. And Maisie says, hmm, so what are you, a guy or a gal?
1: I'm, I was born a guy, and now I'm a gal. Only I haven't gone all the way.
0: Yeah, my grandson Billy, he was like you. He was a cute little thing. He'd sashay around sweet as anything. He was saving up for the operation. His ma used to say he was the daughter she'd never had.
1: I wish my mom had said that. She said I was the spawn of the devil. That's
0: dumb. Just because someone's different don't make them bad.
1: So what happened to Billy?
0: They found him in a motel room in Queens five years back. Someone had crushed in his head with a monkey wrench, done other shit to him. He'd been dead for like a week. Everyone told him not to go with strangers. There never was any telling that boy anything. Remember, back in Collectors, we had a collector, the connoisseur, Mm. who specialized in preoperative transsexuals, that's how Mm. he described it, and had only killed eight up to that point. But I'm thinking that's what had to happen. Here. This has got to be a reference to the connoisseur. Maybe. I mean, if it's not, it's kind of a weird warning, like a little uh, victim blame. Everybody told him to be careful, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, also, though, this woman in particular, like, she's accepting of him, but also mm-hmm. is using, is referring to her grandson by probably not the name he chose, mm-hmm. yeah. she chose, and whatnot. And so, like, it's not. Unbelievable that she would have that opinion of they mm-hmm. said, don't go with strangers, and also like that's an oh, extremely sure. common fate for trans women, and that's terrible, yeah. Like, but that's an extremely common, common fate for her, so it's not good, and it's still like that. Um, actually, the recently it's increased, yeah, statistically, so that's nice about mm. the world, that's nice. <sighs>
0: well. Maisie's pretty accepting. She doesn't think it's wrong. Doesn't think
1: it's gross. Oh yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Doesn't make you evil. No. Yeah, no, that's uh that's great. Um I do kind of like this final panel where Wanda says, I'm sorry. She says, You're sorry. How do you think I felt? And then after that, she's like, so why don't you like dogs? I just don't like them, that's all. (laughs) So there's no story. Like, we don't need this story about why she doesn't like dogs. Or at least we don't get to have the story. Well,
0: maybe the story's so scary she doesn't want to talk about it. Maybe. But it's
1: like, as a reader, it's not necessary for us to hear that story. No,
0: as a person, it's not. Yeah. It doesn't
1: matter. Somebody's afraid of dogs, they're afraid of dogs. Just don't like them. You have to deal with that. In the land, Barbie wakes up. And it's time for her to be brave.
0: Yeah, and she smashes the porpentine against the hierogram. Mm-hmm. And we get an explosion of stars. And the cuckoo dances dances around saying, I won Lolly Lolly.
1: Oh, one thing on this mm-hmm. great this great shot of the explosion, mm-hmm. the two girls are standing next to each other. Their shadows are so spread out, the only shadow you actually see of their bodies are their legs. Yep. Um Which was neat to me because I thought maybe if they were going to show the shadows that they would show them as the same or like the cuckoos as bigger than hers or something to kind of like show their, But instead, they don't have to tell that by just showing their it's only their legs.
0: Well, it's because it's from so low.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing I noticed is the uh, the three women are sitting against the side of the shoal with their backs turned. They don't even watch. Mm -hmm. They are just sitting there like they're, you know, in rest mode. (laughs) Yeah. The
0: cuckoos put them there, I think.
1: Yeah, but they don't like they don't even watch. Mm-hmm. Their backs are turned. That to me is something that I noticed right away.
0: The lolly lolly. Neil Gaiman has noted that that is directly from his daughter Holly at the time, who would do the same thing. Lolly
1: lolly, lolly lolly, lolly lolly. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and this is where she really like breaks out. Like usually she's a kind of smiley but overall controlled child. And here she's just dancing. She's doing a jig. She's got a huge grin. I'm the cleverest and the prettiest, and one day I'll be the biggest and the brightest, and I'll fly into little girls' minds and lay eggs of my own there. I won. I beat all of you. Lolly, 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 lolly. <laughs> I can leave soon. The porpentine and the hierogram are broken. The land is over. Now it starts.
0: Oh, I didn't mention we also did actually hear that George was a person who came to the scary. Yeah. He dreamed and came to the scary. There's a few pages back. So oh. we do know that he was a person, but he must be a pretty broken person to
1: a pretty empty person so they yeah. could fill him up with birds. So they could
0: fill him up with birds. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Now, in this middle shot too, I really like how it shows the scary it shows the two it shows the cuckoo and Barbie kind of having their conversation to one side, mm-hmm. the three girls sitting there, and then you see the the moon. And so you get to have um the walking path out to them, which is bent,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: the moon's light kind of makes a second path to shore. Oh yeah. And I just I thought that was is pretty. Mm.
0: And back in New York, the porpentine disappears from Barbie's body.
1: Yeah, it sizzles right off. Uh-oh.
0: The radio station is playing. Lou Reed's satellite of up love. To
1: the Things
0: like that drive W rat issues an apology that Hurricane Lisa with an S.
1: The hurricane has turned around abruptly and is coming back. Mm-hmm. It says here the hurricane's change of direction may be due in part to some perturbations in the upper atmosphere. Meteorologists also point to a possible high altitude dust storm which hid the face of the moon earlier this morning. Yeah, that was uh, Thessaly's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hid <laughs> the moon. Yeah. It's not. A bunch of meteorologists being like, the moon just disappeared, and how do we explain it? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Bill? Yeah, Jerry? You got any Q-tips on you?
0: And we're back on the island as the stars fall, and one of them becomes the star in Morpheus's eye. Mm -hmm. And we all go, oh,
1: right, this is a Sandman comic. I'm going to point out, these depictions of Morpheus for the next few pages Mm -hmm. are like totally as barbie would dream him up he's oh, yeah. at his poutiest mm-hmm. he's got like his kind of open flowy shirt like yeah he's gone full goth late god. 80s early 90s goth but not just god i mean like kind of like sex god sure like his yeah it's definitely
0: oh yeah look at those cheekbones
1: yeah and his lips it's all about how thick they draw his lips too like so pouty <laughs>
0: When he arrives, he notices that Barbie is the one who summoned him, but is not completely in control of her mind.
1: And he just... Uh, and he just fixes it. it. Yeah, clears her mind for her.
0: And he kind of points at Fox, Hazel, and Thessaly, and whew, they're fine as well. Mm-hmm. And then Gis says, shh, I got to uncreate this land.
1: Well, also, we find out that he's Murphy. Yes. Murphy is Murphy. I would have figured that out.
0: Mm, I would have figured that out. That is actually not... Just a clever little joke that Neil made up. Murphy has been a nickname for Morpheus for over a hundred years. Oh. Yeah.
1: Cool. Long time. Hush now. I need silence from all of you while I uncreate this land. It is an old land and it is time for it to rest. And so he does his magic thing. Yeah. He whispers and I guess he's whispering to all of the creatures of the land. And they all come to him living and dead. And they walk into the darkness of his cloak. And there's just so many of them coming along. And, and we even get to see the, mm-hmm. the our previous heroes.
0: Yeah, Wilkinson's back and Pranato. Mm-hmm. Luz gets up and Barbie forgives Luz. Yeah. I could not find it in my heart to blame her. I too had been one of the servants of the cuckoo. Felt the overpowering need to protect and nurture her to do anything that would make her happy.
1: And while all this is happening, either the creatures are becoming small or Morpheus is becoming giant (laughs) and that it can seem like they just walk into his cloak. Mm -hmm. And there's a figure at the end.
0: The last one was the saddest. She was magnificent. She looked very proud and very sad. And when she got to him, she hesitated. And there's a little thing back and forth between the two of them. There's some kind of compact and it ends and it's been a long time. He calls her old love. And it's her land, and it's been home to many since her day. And then she was gone. And then he picks up the land in his hand. She doesn't know how, and it's like a little jeweled world that she can see all the details in. And then it crumbled in his hand. It was just dust, sand, a glittering multicolored sand that fell away into the chilly wind at the end of the world.
1: So alienora this girl, I think she has a big scar
0: on her cheek. She does, yeah. Mm -hmm. again i think this is another story that needs to be told neil actually mentions it in the sandman companion that he does know eleanor's story and it's a very sad one Hmm. and he should tell it sometime is what he says
1: and so she's who created this land who made the compact
0: well morpheus made the land Mm. but for her
1: probably because of the
0: falling out of their love. Because remember, it seems like she's probably a mortal. If she's dead, she's mortal. And mortals shouldn't love the endless. Mm. So this land was, for some reason, created for her. We don't know exactly why,
1: but. I like how, as, like, from an outsider's, like, a bystander, mm. if you're thinking of, like, a fantasy princess world, kind of, mm-hmm. and then you meet this, like, super hunky but, like, super goth god, um, who would be the girl that he would create this for and how do you picture her? And it's this girl in this, like, perfect, like just the right the the right overdone amount of ruffles on this white dress kind of like a wedding dress mm-hmm. um with this long flowing hair and like she's still beautiful but she has a scar down her cheek which makes her kind of edgy mm-hmm. i'm just yeah i just like how she's this yeah like they're the two of them in this scene where she's walking towards him this is just this is a music video this is like a music video <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: And Barbie asks if he's okay.
1: Yeah, well, he looks pretty... S- he stood there in silence, looking very tired, very alone. I felt really sorry for him, and I didn't know why.
0: Mm-hmm. Half the compact is discharged. Now, I wonder if you three know the trouble you've caused. Hmm. I know you, do I not? I don't believe so. I do. Yes, we have met before, which woman.
1: It was a long time ago, Dream King. I'm surprised you remember.
0: There were more of you then.
1: Yes. Now it's only me.
0: Why aren't you dead?
1: Oh, look, don't you start. It's a long story, and I don't really want to go into it. I see. Dream King, that one there is my legitimate prey. She who calls herself the cuckoo. She attempted to harm me. Her life is mine.
0: No, her life is her own. She would have harmed
1: me, Morpheus. I demand my rights.
0: You demand? Thessalian, the moon has tumbled into the sea in this place. It cannot take you or your followers back to the waking world. You are a trespasser here without my consent. I am very displeased.
1: What's he saying, Thess?
0: I am saying, young lady, that you are here entirely.
1: He's saying we're in trouble. Real trouble?
0: Yes, real trouble. But then you are far from alone in that. Which shows that he knows that there's trouble going on in the real world, too. Oh, yeah. Bad news,
1: yeah. That's what happens when you grab the moon.
0: Yeah. And George makes bad jokes about how he can't hold his tongue because he doesn't have any hands. It's sort of a joke. hmm It's not a joke. It's the exact terrible kind of joke that people think is a good joke and is not. A, it's, it's not
1: a joke. It differs from the usual kind of joke, only in the vast gulf between it and any kind of sense of humor.
0: Yep. And George is still saying lots of terrible things are going to happen, and uh, the storm is not just a storm anymore, and uh, this is a pretty old building.
1: Yeah, it's it's not very structurally sound.
0: And next page over, we see just how not structurally sound it is, as the building collapses.
1: Yeah. Like, it goes from just the window crashing in, and then there's bricks, and then it looks like... There's just taxi cabs turned to the side, and one's hit a fire hydrant. hmm Yeah.
0: Okay. So, Thessaly, Foxglove, and Hazel have annoyed Morpheus. The land is no more. Mm-hmm. The cuckoo is
1: free to fly? I mean- We the don't cuckoo, know. The cuckoo hasn't left yet. The cuckoo's just there with them. Yeah. It, she wasn't expecting Morpheus.
0: No. She didn't. So, what was interesting about this, we haven't seen the total finale yet, but- we had, even the cuckoo didn't know the truth of what was going on. It mm-hmm. kind of knew it was in a dream world, but it didn't know anything about the greater truth of the dreaming, that there was a, that there was a Morpheus who ran it, that this was just one of the dreams, that dreams are, you know, like that. It, it knew some of the details. Mm-hmm. And it also knew from from the Hieromancer kind of what the future of that scary would be. It, it learned a few details, mm-hmm. and it finally got its evil plan, and then it met God, who was like, yeah, it's really not what you're talking about. I'm just going to get rid of this land and then we'll see what's going on. Yeah. And it's like, uh, but I won. But what's going to happen? So, Sasha, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Okay, so we got to take stock here. hmm Foxglove, Hazel, and Thessaly yep. are in with with Morpheus. Yeah, trespassing. With their bodies. Yes. Their bodies are no longer in the building. Correct. So they have bodies. Barbara mm-hmm was just in a building that got destroyed. Her body was there. She's in the dream world without her body.
0: With Wanda and Maisie.
1: Yeah, and so Wanda's mind-dreaming likeness, conscious mind, unconscious mind, and Maisie's are both intact, but their bodies were in the building, so they might just be dead. I'm not sure. I don't think they would just kill Wanda like that, but maybe. I'm not really sure what happened to them, but I think whatever happens in the next one Mm -hmm. is going to have to do with the fact that Hazel, Thessaly, and Foxglove no longer have their way home. They can't follow the moon back. So -hmm. they can't travel that way with their bodies. So Dream is going to have to take them back with Mm -hmm. their bodies, which I think he can do. I don't think that's a problem.
0: I think can do is absolutely true, yes.
1: But what about Barbara? Mm -hmm. I don't think she can go back to her body.
0: And what about the cuckoo? What's going to happen with the cuckoo?
1: I think the cuckoo is going to try to inhabit Barbara.
0: Mm. Um
1: oh, come back in her body.
0: Is that what you're yeah, saying?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to want her body. Okay. The story will either end with Barbara deciding to keep the cuckoo in herself and recognizing that the cuckoo is a part of her and is maybe this like is maybe the take charge, take things part of her that she Mm-hmm. hasn't acknowledged or has been living without okay. or something maybe she'll absorb the cuckoo in her kind of goodness and then she'll just mm-hmm. be a fully rounded person um, okay right? like the cuckoo's her dark side
0: sure well I guess we're gonna have to find out yeah next episode you've been dreaming of the Sandman issue 36 a game of you chapter 5 for show notes visit thedreaming.motivedust.com Support future episodes at patreon.com the dreaming, and we'd sure appreciate it if you tell your friends about us. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Angle. Hear more at kaiangle.bandcamp.com. The dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil Waututh nations. I'm Joe Foljam. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.